Hello. Our reading this evening is Genesis chapter 41. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of a Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I'd never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. Then after them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up after are seven years and so 
are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man to put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. The food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphonath Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands. 
but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Good evening. Well, what are we going to make of this story? It's a lovely story, very interesting. But what's the significance of it for us? If you could pick up your Bibles again at Genesis 41. I've called this talk Shaped for a Purpose. Let's pray. Lord, you've given us your word to teach us how you think and how you want us to behave. Lord, please help us to understand the meaning of this passage for us. For Christ's sake, amen. There's a Christian man who was working in the city and then things went wrong. He was hit by the recession, he lost his job, he lost a sizable fortune and he lost his beautiful home. And then to cap it all, his wife suddenly died. Yet he tenaciously held on to his Christian faith. The only thing he got left. Then one day while he was out looking for a job, he passed a stonemason who's repairing a, a beautiful large church. This stonemason was chiseling a rock, a triangular piece of rock, uh, and he asked him, what are you doing that for? Where are you going to put it? And the workman replied, do you see that little opening up there by the spire? Well, I'm shaping this stone down here so that it will fit up there. Tears swelled up in the uh, man's eyes, for God had spoken to him through that labourer. Those words gave new meaning to his life, to his very troubled situation. I'm shaping this stone down here so that it will fit up there. Now, so it was with Joseph. He'd been through untold suffering, which... For our sake, we've been told all about. He's hated by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. He was wrongly accused and imprisoned. Yet, you look at 39.21, the Lord was with him. Look at 39.23, he behaved with integrity because the Lord was with Joseph. Well, he spent several years in prison, where again he kept his integrity and was trusted. And there he correctly interpreted the dreams of the baker and the butler. The baker was doomed and the butler was to be freed. And the only thing he asked of the butler, look at 40 verse 14. When all goes well with you, 
remember me and show me kindness and mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Well, another two years passed. Nothing. But then God interceded on his behalf in rather a strange way. Pharaoh had those two related dreams. And the first seven fat, healthy cows come out of the Nile. Well, cows still tend to be because of the heat and the flies. And the, as they came out, they were followed by seven gaunt, ugly cows that somehow turned carnivore and ate up the fat cows. And that dream was quickly followed by one about the ears of corn. Seven full, healthy ears of corn come from one stalk and followed by seven weedy ears of corn, which somehow devour the good corn. Now, the Pharaoh's wise men couldn't interpret this dream. Uh, but at this point, the butler remembered what had happened to him in prison uh, and how Joseph had interpreted his dream there. And he says to Pharaoh, look at verses uh, 9 to 13. Today, I'm reminded of my shortcomings. So Joseph is called for, he shaves, he's spruced up, dressed neatly, and comes into the presence of Pharaoh. There he correctly uh, interprets the dreams. Look at 26. Seven years of plenty will be followed by seven years of famine. And then 33, Joseph gives his advice. Look, appoint a wise man, Pharaoh, put him in charge to save a fifth of the grain that comes in the years of plenty to be held in reserve for the years of famine. And 39, Joseph himself is appointed to this role. Number two in the country, prime minister. Well, what are we to make of all this? Well, my first point is we are shaped by problems. Satan will try every means to undermine our faith and trust in the Lord God, cause us to give up, to drift. He uses unfair, below the belt means to do this. Yet God uses these very same problems and, pro and troubles to mature us. And that's what happened to Joseph. Suffering's the lot of every one of us, the wicked, the repentant, <clears throat> and the righteous. Think of Jesus's crucifixion scene. There you've got the wicked thief. He's executed. There you've got the repentant thief. He's executed. And there you've got the righteous son of God. And he also is executed. Do you remember that <clears throat> poem by Ella Wilcox? One ship sails east and another west by the selfsame wind that blows. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales that tells the way we go. 
Keswick <coughs> conferences have rightly become very, very popular. I picked up a, a secondhand book the other day, uh, all about these, uh, the Keswick week here. <coughs> Many of the talks are very moving, but <coughs> it's very struck. A lot of them are man-centered, all about what I must do to be used by God. But this story about Joseph puts God right at the center. It's primarily about what God does. Do you remember that classic statement of Jesus to Simon and Andrew when he appointed them to be trained as his apostles? In Mark 1, 17, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Evangelistic talks, they concentrate on the first bit, come follow me. But the real business is being trained by God. I will make you into the sort of person that's useful for me. Isn't this thrilling? We are God's work. As we follow our Lord with integrity, he will make us into what he wants. Circumstances are all in his control. He's shaping us like a stonemason shapes that piece of rock to be useful for him. But God is in control even before our conversion. Do you remember at the beginning of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 4? Jeremiah was told, look, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. <laughs> Jeremiah replied, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. And the Lord says, don't say that. I <clears throat> made you and I will enable you to follow my command, so don't be afraid. If we're Christians, we've been chosen by God and he will equip us to do his work. Oh, Joseph had great natural abilities, that's obvious. But God used the circumstances for his own glory. See, we are all involved in a spiritual war. God trains us to be godly through problems but sometimes he acts suddenly for his own glory so here's joseph miserable years in prison but within a few hours he's put in prime position by god he's made prime minister now <clears throat> can i just add a warning here in Christian biographies, all the exciting bits are emphasized and they come one after another. But that's not real. For all Christians, between every mountain peak, uh, there's a plateau. Duncan Campbell was one of the great Scottish ministers. He was a, uh, helped lead the revival up there. And in the introduction to his biography, uh, the author writes this. Biographies similarly 
tend to concertina the outstanding events of life for quick observation, giving the impression that lies with which we could never be identified, of men and women whose faith we could never follow. But it's not so. Between the stirring incidents are periods of silence that speak for themselves, with nothing to record but the multitudes of petty burdens that weigh heavily on human spirits from day to day. That's reality. So we are shaped by problems. Our next point is we're shaped for God's purpose. And this is seldom rapid. Christians who are rapidly thrust into the limelight. Too soon. As Paul put it, we become puffed up and useless. God prevents this by giving us troubles trials and he trains us through tribulation and suffering. I read this week of the <coughs> Nicene Council in 325 AD that uh, met to confirm the doctrines of the church. Of the 318 delegates, many bishops attending, fewer than 12 had not suffered. Nearly all of them had lost an eye, lost a hand or were uh, limp in one leg because they'd been tortured because of their commitment to Christ. We've seen how, how Joseph was trained by suffering and all this must have been very hard for him to bear. But remember, even Jesus was perfected by suffering. In uh, Hebrews 2.10, we read, God made the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. And Hebrews 5.8, son that he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So we also, like Joseph, will have to suffer to fit us to share the gospel with other people. Through suffering, we learn to pray. But we pray not to be used, you know, to be important, but to be useful for God. Let's break this down. Whatever happens to us, we must stay loyal to the Lord God. It's an obvious lesson here. Joseph's whole life was God-centered. Look at 39 verse 9. He says to Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife, who's trying to seduce him sexually, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? 41, 15 and 16. To Pharaoh, who's uh, heard that Joseph uh, can interpret dreams, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. It's always God. 41.25, when he interprets the dreams, God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Look at 28. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. 41.32, 
the matter's been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Then look at 51 and 52. It's a delightful epilogue here uh, when he names his two sons. It's because God has made me forget my trouble. That's the mark of anyone who's walking well with the Lord Jesus. They focus on him. Do you remember John the Baptist? Uh, he says, look, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him, just as we are. He must become greater, I must become less. So we've got to be loyal to God. But there's another lesson here. We've got to work hard at whatever we're given to do. Look at verse 46. Joseph, he was only 30 when he was made prime minister. Uh, but then he took his job seriously. He traveled widely. He became trustworthy. 55. Pharaoh says, go to Joseph, ask him. He was trusted. A pianist was being congratulated on the beautiful way she played the piano. Oh, how lucky you are to be able to play like that, someone said. As a matter of fact, it's the result of hard work. The idea that spiritual gains are achieved by some prayer, uh, right doctrines, uh, good talks, is not biblical. We must go out and befriend people. We've got to work at being hospitable. We've got to work at sending you know, texts and emails, inviting people. Just as Joseph worked hard at the job he was given. So the recipe for being useful is loyalty to the Lord Jesus. Not playing hot and cold persevering through the troubles, but also working hard at, at serving, serving our master. So, shaped by problems, shaped for God's purpose, and the last point, we are blessed in God's purpose. Look at 51 to 52. <clears throat> God is concerned for the physical welfare of all people not just their spiritual welfare. And he raised up Jake, Joseph to see that this is done. He worked at it with all his heart, all his mind, all his strength. And at the end, God gives him two sons. Now, this is a lovely little bit. Manasseh, it sounds a bit in like the Hebrew word for forget. And the reason he calls Manasseh this name God has made me forget all my hardships, 51. He takes away the, the chips off our shoulders. If we're going to be useful for God, we've got to put the past behind us. Mulling over those past problems, that can destroy us. Self-pity eats people up. But then he has another son called Ephraim, which in Hebrew sounds like 
twice fruitful. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. <clears throat> so let's pray that we can trust the Lord who is in control. Remain loyal to him. Work hard for him so that we are fruitful Christians. Past forgotten, present fruitfulness. See, God is saying, I'm shaping the stone down here so that it will fit up there. Should we pray? Lord, thank you that you allow us to go through all sorts of problems in order to fit us for your presence and your service. Lord, please help us to put the past behind us, to keep trusting you, to be steady Christians who are absolutely devoted to living for our Lord. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen.